I'll turn to the Gospel of John, and that's on page 906 on the Pew Bible, 906. John chapter 20. Of course, this is the account of the resurrection as John records it. And we'll read the first ten verses. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid, have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went in to the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. And amen. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading from his word. I guess as uh, I was thinking as we were singing some of those hymns before the service and realizing how much we know about Jesus and what he has done. Well, Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John didn't grasp as much as we grasp now at this point when they come to the empty tomb. Oh yes, Christ is risen. The grave is empty. He's not there. Jesus is in glory at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us as our great high priest, and he's coming again because he lives. Yes, Jesus triumphed over death and the grave. And it is just as he said that he would be crucified and buried and raised on the third day. The grave. Death could not hold. Our Lord Jesus Christ. The tomb. Is empty. So we should be joyful. And rejoice. Knowing that real comfort we have. The spiritual blessing. In Christ because he's risen. Our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. This is a historical fact that he's risen over 2,000 years ago. The tomb is empty. 
He is raised with a real resurrection body. You could see him. You could touch him. He even ate with his disciples after the resurrection. If you had been there that morning, the morning of the resurrection at the tomb, you could have taken a picture of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. It's that real. It really happened. He's really alive. He's resurrected. Just as he said. As he spoke those very words to his disciples. Yes, this is a testament of the church, isn't it? As we meet every Lord's Day. We're worshiping a crucified and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. He lives. And because he lives... We can face tomorrow, as the hymn writer says. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, we shall live also. We have to let that sink into our minds and our hearts, don't we? The Lord Jesus Christ lives, and because he lives, we shall live also. You know, in the 11th chapter there of John, if you go back to 11th chapter, how Lazarus had died, he was in the tomb for four days. He was dead. Of course, Jesus comes and raises Lazarus. He spoke to Martha before that, didn't he? And he said to her as he came there, before he raised Lazarus, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He was going to raise Lazarus, which he did at a word. He came out of the tomb. But he also said to Martha at that time, after he said those words, he said, do you believe this? Do you believe in the resurrection? That's what he's saying. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? This morning, as we gather for worship, do you believe in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, that physical resurrection, that he's alive again from the dead? See, without the resurrection of Christ, our faith is in vain. We're still in our sin. But he's risen. He's alive. And Paul makes that so clear as he's writing to the church in Corinthians. He says, this is of first importance. He speaks it for the gospel. He said, this is of first importance. What I received, I pass on to you of first importance. That Christ died for sins according to the scriptures. That he's buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The resurrection and death of our Lord Jesus Christ are together, we say, according to the scriptures. And Jesus Yes, he's, at the second coming, we can be sure of that blessing. In the twinkle of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet, he will come, and the graves will be opened. Those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the air, but the graves will be opened. All the graves will be opened. We read that from Daniel. Multitudes or many, meaning all, great numbers, will be delivered from the dust. Some to everlasting damnation and some to everlasting life. Everybody is going to be raised out of the grave. How is that going to be? I have no idea. But God said it. Jesus said it. It'll be done. We take the promise of God. It's going to be done. Multitudes, as Daniel says, asleep in the dust will be raised. The graves will be opened. Everybody will come out. And he has to be that judgment and the coming of the eternal kingdom. Believing in Christ who has our great hope. As we know, Paul wrote about that, the blessed hope we have in our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Hope beyond the grave. 
You know, some people think this is all there is. We live and we die and it's all over. <laughs> That's Satan's words. That's Satan seeking to discourage people. And the world will mock you maybe at times because you believe in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. It happens for Christians. There's troubles, struggles. Yes, but the testimony is true. And we are to believe the very word of God. Of course, John writes here in this 20th chapter, giving the account of the resurrection, that first resurrection morning. And the first visitor to the tomb, of course, as they were filled with, with, with sorrow, not filled with hope. Just think about it. Christ was crucified three days before this. They thought that he was going to be the one to deliver Israel, to redeem Israel. They thought he was one of the gone who was going to build the temple again. But he died on the cross. And they were there. So there's sorrow. There's tears. As Mary Magdalene and, and Peter and John come to this empty tomb. They don't quite understand it all. They haven't grasped it yet as such. Yet they come to the tomb. Oh yes, there's excitement, lots of activity, lots of wondering, lots of confusion, we could say, on this first resurrection morning. Even the women came with Mary Magdalene and the other accounts that speaks about the women, Mary and so on. They came with spices to anoint the body of Jesus. They expected to have him there and they're going to anoint his, his body. But they come in sorrow. They come with weeping, even as we see there in the 11th verse, how Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. There's sorrow, great loss, because they lost the one they love. And they loved him. They loved him so much. And this shows it here as they, they go to the tomb. The women go in the tomb. And then Mary Magdalene and Peter and John go in the tomb. They loved him. Mary and Peter and John come, these three. Oh, yes, with excitement. Yes, they come. And when they come, Mary, as we see here, Mary comes seeking Jesus. Oh, yes, there's a faith, but they don't quite grasp it all, I guess, if we could say. In verse 1, we see, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. It was still dark. In the quiet of the morning comes this darkness just before the sun, before the sun rises to come to anoint the body of Christ. Mary Magdalene and the woman brought those spices to anoint his body. Of course, Mary Magdalene was one who was a woman whom Christ had healed. He cast out seven demons from her and her heart's changed and she, she loves the Lord. She was the last one at the cross. The women stood there. The last the disciples fled, but the women stood at the cross and she was the last one at the cross to see Christ dying, his terrible death, his crucifixion, our Lord Jesus Christ. But here she comes seeking him, whom she loved. First at the cross, to leave the, the last to leave the cross, but the first at the tomb. 
She's the first one to see our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ. She's seen, even as we see there in these verses of the 20th chapter, verses 16 and following there, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am, ascend- I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. I've seen the Lord. Have you seen the Lord? Have you? That's what the Bible really is about, isn't it? To see the Lord. You see him by faith. By believing his word. And believing what he says in his word. You trust in him. And you turn your heart over to him. You trust in him. Have you seen the Lord? Oh, yes. She's seen him. But we go back before that, though. Here they are at the empty tomb. Mary Magdalene, the great sinner, but with sorrow because she has loved the Lord so much. This resurrection morning, she saw, it says here, she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. The women were going, as the other accounts give, they were going up with the spices before this, and they said, who's going to roll away that big stone? I guess I could say big stone, but who's going to roll away that stone because we have to anoint the body of Jesus. They got there and the stone was rolled away. Who rolled away the stone? Did Jesus push it out of the way? Oh, no, I don't think so. We were told, of course, in Matthew that an angel came down and rolled away the stone. He rolled away that stone. To let Jesus out? No. So that we could see in that the tomb was empty. That Christ is risen. He is not here. He is risen. That's what the angels said. Oh yes. She comes. The stone is rolled away. And what happens? Well. She ran. And went to Simon Peter. And the other disciple. The one whom Jesus loved. And said to them. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they have laid him. The women went away thinking the body was taken away. We do not know where they've laid him. Even though they had that presence of the angel there that said he was risen, we do not know where they've laid him. They weren't getting it. They didn't understand it so much. We have... They didn't quite grasp it. There was that kind of lack of understanding, but that real desire... That real love and devotion for the Lord because they're going to the tomb. They make that great effort to go there. And yes, what does Mary do? She runs and tells the other disciples, Peter and John. The beloved disciple here, the one whom Jesus loved, refers to John who wrote this gospel account. As we know in other places, it's referring to John. So it was Peter and John who come. And what does Mary do? She saw 
the stone rolled away. She saw the angels. She saw the empty tomb. He's risen, but she didn't grasp it. So she goes and tells Peter and John. She wants them to investigate. She wants help to try and find the body of Jesus. That's what she's up to. She wants to, who, where did he lay him? Who took him? So she actually goes to them for help because of her love for the Lord and wants to find the body. So we have the investigation of Peter and John in these following verses in this 20th chapter. The report came to them. So Peter and John are the ones who go to the tomb. We see there in verse 3, so Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. They went to the tomb. They were running to the tomb. There's the excitement, that desire to get there, to find out what's going on, to investigate the scene. They were running. We see how the other disciple outran Peter. Of course, John was younger than Peter, maybe not as, as quick-footed as, as, as John, but Peter comes along later, running to the tomb. They made haste. They were concerned to demonstrate this love, really, in this. Yet they didn't grasp at all. They haven't understood all that the scriptures have said. And the occasion we see, indeed, as they come to this tomb, they're running to the tomb, checking things out on the third day. How many times did the Lord tell them that he would be crucified and raised on the third day? But still there was that lack of understanding. Still that thinking about him is going to rule over the nation as were as a political leader. But they didn't quite understand it. So there's sorrow. There's running. Come to the tomb. And, but they should have been rejoicing rather than being sorrowful because Christ is risen. So Peter and John come to the tomb. And they investigate the empty tomb. And we see what happens there as they come. In verse, see how Peter went out and the other disciple. And then we see how Peter comes and reaches the tomb first. and uh, Or John reaches the tomb first and stooping to look in. He saw the linen cloth lying there but did not go in. See, John comes. He sees the linen cloth lying there but he doesn't go in. The grave cloths and so on were there. He didn't go in because maybe more timid than Peter in a way, more contemplated, thinking more about what he's seen. But Peter comes and goes right in. He goes right into the tomb. Peter, the bold one, as it were, he goes in and he looks. He thinks about what he sees and he saw the empty tomb. He's not there. But we see in verse 6, Peter came following him and went into the tomb, he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lined with the linen cloths, but folded up by a place by itself. The evidence is before the very eyes. As you just think about what's going on here, the grave cloths, the face cloth that was around the face of Jesus, and there they are lying there by themselves, the face cloth folded up by itself. This is not the site of a crime where a body has been taken away. 
course not. If it were the disciples, as that's what the, the guard said after, after he was resurrected, as we go with the other accounts, how they fell as dead men when Christ was resurrected and so on, but they went back and told the chief priests what had happened. They said, just say that the disciples, disciples came and stole them away, and that will satisfy the governor and so on. So that was the, the story that was revealed, or that was the story that was spread. But this is not a crime scene. The body is not stolen because who would steal a body and take off the grave clothes and the head clothes and put them by themselves and fold them up? Who would do that? Who would do it? No, it's not a crime scene. The body has not been stolen away by the disciples or by anybody else. Suppose you have a shower and you leave the towels lying on the floor. Maybe some of us do that. But you come back a little later and the towels are folded up by themselves. Did they get there by themselves? No, somebody did it. A living person had to do that, didn't they? Well, that's what happens here, I think. We look at this, we think, well, the towels were picked up by somebody. Here, they're grave cloth, and referring to the linen cloths, and also the face cloth that was around Jesus' face, folded up by themselves. Christ did it. He's alive. He did it. It's the work of Christ. The evidence is before their very eyes. The disciples see this, that he, and they don't grasp it all. But then it's interesting what happens with John. When John sees, we see how Peter saw. When he looked in, he saw the linen cloth lying there and so on. But then we see that John came. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. I think John kind of gets it. Some commentators don't suggest that. They say there's a weakness here and they don't understand the scriptures. But I don't think so. I think John's getting it a little bit here. He saw and believed. I think to help us kind of believe that line of thought is because when Peter saw, there's a different word in the, in the Greek, which call, it's blepo, actually. Peter used, the, those words were used when he refers to Peter. But when John saw, it's a different word for saw, which means a word that's a little more contemplative, a little more thinking, a little bit more understanding. He saw and he believed. He believed that Christ was the Messiah. He understood Something more than Mary Magdalene and and Peter at this time. The very truth is he believed that Christ was alive, I think. I think we can say that just because of the very words he saw and believed. He believed. Oh no, he's not stolen by anybody, but he's alive. The report is not right that somebody stole the body away, but he's alive. Believing in Jesus, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, as the scriptures say. You know, the two on the road to Emmaus, you know that account in Luke's gospel. The two on the road to Emmaus, that was the third day after the resurrection. 
and they're going along and Christ comes alongside and talks to them but they don't recognize him they're, they're kept from recognizing him and, and Jesus asks them what's happening here what's going on in this city and they do you not know that what happened in these days we thought that Jesus was the one who was going to redeem Israel we thought he was the one who was going to uh, redeem Israel for us as a political leader as such and they were sad but then Jesus said to them, how foolish and slow of heart to believe all the scriptures say. In John, or Luke, Luke 24, as we read that, in Luke 24, verse 25, And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Slow of heart to believe. This was the truth here, the slow of heart to believe, but I think John grasped it more. This evidence was before his very eyes. The, the grave cloth and the face cloth was there. He believed what the scriptures said. A little more understanding as such. Indeed, the Lord gave him that. Of course he did. He saw and believed. The Lord, indeed, he believed the scriptures, the very word of God. Yes, he died according to the scriptures. He was raised according to the scriptures. He grasped that truth, that truth. And you know, when we think about what happened there in the grave, Christ would know that they'd be coming to the empty tomb. Christ would know that the tomb was going to be open. They're going to come in and look. So he left that for them to encourage their faith, to encourage our faith. The physical evidence is there. The very fact that he's gone, but in a sense the tomb is not empty. There's evidence there to show that he is alive. Our Lord Jesus Christ is alive. That we might believe. That we might believe. That's the whole theme of John's gospel. We call it a gospel that speaks about believing in him. Evangelical truth, as it were. I write these things, or these things I've written that you might believe in Jesus, the Christ, who is the Son of God, and by believing you might have life in his name. That's why I write these things. They might believe in him. Because there's an awful lot of unbelief. We can have unbelief in our own hearts. We need to get rid of that unbelief by believing in the Lord, by turning to the scriptures. We don't go back and look at the grave cloth. And those things, that's not what we look at. We look at why he put that there. It testifies to the scriptures, I think. I was trying to think about that. You know, you read this account, and the other accounts have a little more information, but you read this account about John saw and believed. Then we see in verse 9, what does he say there in verse 9? For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Yes, there was a lack of understanding. But the very fact that these items were in the empty tomb testifies to the scriptures that he's arrived. He's alive. And that's what the scripture teaches. We look to the scriptures, don't we? The very word of God. How foolish and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets said. The Old Testament scriptures, that's what they had at that time. And yes, they didn't quite grasp it, but John did, and he saw and believed these truths. And then he speaks about the word that we must 
hear that word. You must listen to that word and be submissive to that word to know that Christ indeed is risen. And that means hope, doesn't it? We're not without hope. We have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that love of God poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We have the power of God because of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he lives, we shall also we die with him, we'll also live with him. You see, since we've raised with him, we are to fix our hearts and things above where Christ is the right hand of God. He has to fix our mind and things above, not on earth of things, because Christ died and rose again. Because we die with, with God in Christ and we'll be raised with him, our Lord Jesus Christ. They investigate the facts. They found out the truth. And this, John points us to the scriptures to understand the very word of God. I guess the challenge to us is uh, do we really believe and are we really following our God and seeking to serve him according to his word because he gives us all we need to know about the way to God and how to love and serve him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you and worship. Oh Lord, we need you to help us to understand. We need your spirit to apply your truth to our hearts. And without the spirit, oh Lord, we can't understand. And Lord, we need you to bless your word to our souls, Lord. That we might truly believe in our Lord Jesus who died and rose again and who was coming again. And yes, because he lives, we shall live also. And we are to love and serve him. Because he loved us, we are to love him and serve him. So Lord, help us, uh, forgive us for our sins and failures, O oh God, and, and just lead us in the right way. And help us, O oh Lord, to be those who are rejoicing, joyful in the Lord, and knowing of his power in our lives that we seek to witness for him. We pray in Jesus' name.